0: Hey there, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. Appreciate the fact that you guys have stomached Keith and I for as long as you have. We enjoy bringing the show your way and appreciate your patronage. Want to remind you, by the way, that the season ticket renewal deadline is rapidly approaching. It's in mid-April, April April 15th. If you haven't renewed your season tickets for football, go ahead and do so for the 2022 season. A lot to like based on what we've seen so far at spring practice. For all the information, go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets. Uh, that's if you're going to renew. Or if you want to get tickets for the first time, you can get a reserve seat for all home games. Uh, they range in price from 330 bucks to 800 bucks, uh, all in, depending on the seat location. Again, Seminoles.com backslash tickets to answer those questions as we count it down to the 2022 campaign. That said, let's count it down to the start of Front Row Knowles, which is right now.
1: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Keith, it is good to see you, sir. It is good to be seen. Good to be seen. How, how goes things? Well, the ACC still standing as we record.
2: Next week is the ACC kickoff meeting, I think. Will we be standing after that?
0: How about this? You know, you and I went to that for a lot of years, Keith, and the commissioner always gives the state of the league address. And it's basically a bunch of fluff. I mean, it touts how many conference or national championships the league won last year and number of academic All-Americans, not to say that's unimportant. One of the ACC commissioners stood up next week and just said, I'd just like to start and say uh, this is our last ACC kickoff, uh, nine teams have abandoned ship, and uh, it was fun while it lasted in my year and a half since I moved over from Northwestern.
2: Well, the only thing that comes to my mind, remember the one time when the skipper from ESPN showed up? And that was about as big a hullabaloo as had happened during the quote unquote commissioner address. uh, Because Swofford, you know, historically played everything so close to the vest. So yeah, if they got up there and said, uh, this is the last time we're meeting like this. And oh, by the way, we're not moving to Charlotte. And we've got our for sale and or for lease sign up on the building there in Greensboro. Y'all have a nice life.
0: (laughs) I don't think so. This is the typical pattern. Everybody gets shocked when there's a big announcement like USC and UCLA. And so everybody thinks all these other moves are imminent. And we go through that for a week. And then everybody says, no, everybody has decided to let things breathe. Nobody's going to make any rash decisions. And so then we forget about it because the season starts. and then. Seven months from now, some random Tuesday in February, word will leak that such and such school is going to this league and such and such school is going to this one. I don't know how the the I I do, and we've talked about this. FSU is going to land fine. I just don't know where, and I don't know how the grant of rights issue gets solved. You mentioned John Skipper. Did you listen to that podcast uh, from last week? I think I sent you a link on it. He was I on Dan shows. Yep. Uh, the Cliffs notes for those. So, John Skipper is the former ESPN president. I, I found it a fascinating interview. Uh, really, what he talked about is in terms of the networks, they want states and, and cable homes that they don't yet have in their purview. And so, his advice to the ACC was go ahead and get somebody in Texas because then you could get the ACC network on in Texas. And even if it's already on in Texas, remember, if it's not in your footprint, you might be getting a quarter per subscriber. If it is in your footprint, meaning you have a comp, a school in that, in that state, you might go up by 75 cents or a dollar. So it's real money. But you know what it made me think, and this is we're actually going to talk the opposite later today. Jerry Kutz is going to join us and we'll talk about FSU and the SEC. It made me think, though, that the Big Ten has much more to gain than the SEC by adding FSU in Miami. Even though the Big Ten networks here in Florida, If you go ahead and add those as conference schools and you get a dollar more times however many cable households there are in Florida, that's big dollars. And it's the same rationale they use to just go get USC and UCLA for California, the most populous state. Florida's got 21 million folks. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying if you actually listen to that interview with John Skipper, you'd you'd think that might be where FSU lands.
2: The paradigm shift for all of us is that we associated membership in the conference with either geographical or like-minded institutions. Well, those two parameters are out the window. You can talk all about uh, the designation of the universities and who they belong to. You can talk all about, I mean, if you look at it right now, you got Rutgers and USC and UCLA in the conference. That's already happening. So the geographical thing and the like-minded thing are both out the window. All that matters is that footprint, and and the key part of it is going to be as we get into the negotiations about the playoff and where Notre Dame fits in, all of that will come together quickly, but it's
0: not going to come together anytime soon. It'll just happen quickly once the dominoes start falling. Plenty more time to talk about that. Again, Jerry Kutz will join us later on. The Osceola has uh, published a story on FSU and it's history with the SEC or without the SEC, as it were. I guess that would be more accurate right now. But we look forward to that conversation. But we're going to talk baseball first and foremost. Link Jarrett's going to join us in our next segment, the new head baseball coach at FSU. Former broad – I'll go ahead and claim this. Maybe I'll put it on my resume. Former broadcast colleague of mine. I think I did at least at least three games with him. I don't remember if I did more than that. But there was one year he was broadcasting between his playing days and his coaching days. And uh, we'll we'll walk down memory lane with him about that. Link joins us next. Stay with us here as we're just getting started on front row and
3: Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything, is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at TryMyBank.com. Member FDIC.
4: Hey folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. And we're celebrating the 4th of July all month long. So whether it's red, white, or blue, we've got the right one for you. With new vehicles arriving daily, we have a great selection to choose from, like this 2022 High Country with a 6.2 liter V8, this 2022 Buick Enclave Avenir, fully loaded, or the new body style Chevy RST, and the best selection of premium vehicles in North Florida and South Georgia. Buy your new or used vehicle, the Hobson one.
1: Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones back
0: with you. Really uh, pleased to have the new head baseball coach of Florida State, Link Garrett, join us. And, uh, Keith, you made the point before we started. Is a coach ever on vacation? But Link's, Link's got a lot of things going on. Uh, one of them is is recruiting and and taking over the Florida State program, but another one is getting his family resituated in Tallahassee. First and foremost, Link, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, the the moving pieces right now are
5: very many, and we're trying to line this up. You know, we almost have our staff on board, and that's obviously huge. Um, and then the scheduling, trying to complete the 23 schedule, 24, 25. You know the facility field work that's going on, um, trying to get the field resurfaced, which hasn't been done in a long time. And Michael Alford was on board with; they had already started that, so we have all new sod going in, and some other accents to the the aprons and whatnot. So it's a lot. Um, and then the recruiting never ends. So you know you have the some of the movement with the portal, and we know the draft is looming. It, Unfortunately, that draft is so late in the summer that it, it gets tricky on all of us in college baseball, but those are the things you, you deal with. Um, and, you know, I have one son that just graduated from NC State. And my daughter is going to be a junior in the University of Alabama, so we're trying to get everybody situated for their next round, and uh, it's wide open.
0: Link, let me ask you this question, uh, and we appreciate your time. I, I'm I'm curious. I mean, people know your story from growing up in Tallahassee, and uh, those of us who are old timers like Keith and myself remember when Florida High was actually a, you know, a long toss away from Hauser Stadium, and that's that's where you played your ball in high school. When's what's your first memory of Florida State baseball? I mean, were you going to games when you were six or seven, or were you playing at Florida High and you'd look over and say, someday I'm going to play in that stadium? What, what's your first recollection?
5: It was going to camp like we used to have camp at Levy Park and um, I would go out there. I don't know how many weeks in the summer we spent at camp and the players worked the camp and it was just fun. Like I remember I remember that and my parents would take me to games and my, my dad played there way back when. And so we would go to games, but I was running around the whole time. And then occasionally when you're young, you sit there and watch games. And um, I clearly did that. But those camps. Like I, I really, really remember those camps, and gosh, if I I'm I'm gonna screw up the names of who actually worked it, but the players Doug Treadway and man Jay Keeler, I just remember guys that I spent a week with, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And the the old snow cone truck would roll up, and and he would pump those snow cones out, and I thought that was just the end of camp. We had a blast, and Coach Martin was running around, and. That's what I remember, and then you know, as you as you get a little bit older, and you know, you're playing in Tallahassee. I think what kid in Tallahassee doesn't have a vision of wanting to play at FSU? I think everybody does. So that's where it started. But honestly, those camps at Levy Park—that was my first memory, and it was it was great. And we'd break out the hoses and slide and have sliding competitions and all the little things that were built into making the camp fun, uh, I, I loved it. And those, the players, you, you realize looking back what an impact the players have on the young kids, and I think that's a big part of the program.
2: I think I was struck by a comment you made in your introductory uh, press conference when you said, I mean, when I go back to Campbell Stadium, having played football there, I look around the Campbell Stadium and I say, you know, what, what happened and where? When you walked into Houser after being named as the head coach, you immediately talked about you weren't looking at what had happened there. You were looking at what needed to change. How big a paradigm shift was that for you?
5: Well, I've coached at, what, seven or eight places. And, you know, the last three, I, I was charged with trying to to build something. And Florida State is clearly in, in a good position, you know, with the players. I, I haven't assessed with my own eyes everybody on the field yet but um you know you're you're trying to think of what can i do to make this organization better that's and some of its facilities some of its office structuring some of its recruiting tactics and player profile and the things you're looking for um to put your own stamp on what you think the team needs to do to to win at a very high level so i'm I like reflecting on what I remember about playing there. And quite frankly, my friends are the thing I remember the most, the locker room and the dugout and the guys. And you remember some of the games and certain plays and whatnot, but it's more the feeling for your teammates and and your buddies. Um, I, I guess I think about that. And now the business side of this is how do we move this forward? Like I, it's, it's a lot in the portal and the transfers and the draft and the grad transfers. You're kind of so focused on what's next, what's next, what's next, that you, you don't look a lot at the past. You're trying so hard to focus on the trajectory because quite, you don't have time to do too much of anything else.
0: You mentioned your buddies, Link, and everybody's aware, I think, if they're listening to this show, certainly, that you grew up at different schools, but same baseball circles with Mike Martin Jr., and you played with him at FSU. He was your roommate. And so it's a little bit of an awkward situation in that I'm sure he's happy for you, but disappointed for himself, and you're disappointed for him, but happy for yourself. Uh, the way this landed. I, I'm just curious you know if you've had a conversation, I'm sure you have with Me and, and 11 and what you can share about any conversations you've had since taking the job.
5: Meet and I had a very productive long phone call as this was coming down to the wire for me and you know, we were back from Omaha for 24 hours and this all transpired after the college World series for, for me. Um, and when I felt like this was something that was going to happen I, I talked to me and we had a very emotional good talk we're friends we're close friends some of the most intricate baseball conversations I've ever had came in our house we lived in in college I mean we all four of us Kevin McCray, Brian Harris Jr. and myself we lived together and there was a lot of baseball discussion and I'll never forget it. And, um, the the entire Martin family has been close to me since probably the late 1980s. So, um, I felt awful for what happened. Um, I, I didn't dig into what happened. I, I, I was in a super regional in Omaha and I didn't see this coming. So, meet and i talked about it we're very close and a couple nights ago i went out and i visited with coach martin and carol and the conversations were great um i i respect coach martin like no other we talked a little bit about the team and moving forward and talked about dating back to things that happened when he was a young coach at Florida State and Mike and Carol clearly want the program to function and I I needed that conversation and I will continue to have those with Eleven. Um, I think he enjoyed talking baseball. Carol has always been just a great representative and a supporter of the program on many levels and she still she still is um just a great hour and 45 minutes at their house and and i was very appreciative of them opening the doors and letting us have some fellowship and and that type of conversation
2: i think i know you're you're going to do a player evaluation but probably first on your plate is is your staff your coaching staff are you uh, prepared to to tell us what's going on there where, where, what's that process like
5: yeah, Rich Wallace is on board and he was my recruiting coordinator at Notre Dame and I'm very close. I'm not, I'm not going to overstep the human resources piece with, with our pitching coach, but that's nearing completion and um, you guys will be well familiar with, with him. Um, and then my volunteer is coming with me from Notre Dame and Chip obviously is staying and he's just been a, a phenomenal pillar of Consistency within the program, and and knows the in and outs of the university and the ACC and the program. So, you know, I'm thankful he's on board. Um, and then we'll have a director of player development position that I think I'm I'm going to have some good options there. And I hope that my so-called ops director at Notre Dame is is able to fill that. We're working through the schematic of that one, but. Um, you know, we're, we're in good shape with the familiarity of those around the staff as we piece this together. So it's close. It's close. And I think most of the mechanics are in place. Um, I'm just not going to overstep any of the logistics of that at this point. But Rich is on board. And, um, you know, coaching in Notre Dame is very unique because as a recruiter, you have to be able to navigate from Florida to Seattle to San Diego to New Jersey, Texas, Illinois, Indiana, Georgia. It takes the whole country to manage that uh, academic demand with admission. So the experience you gain recruiting at Notre Dame is probably second to none because of where you have to go in the relationships you have to have to find the right guys. And I think it seasons you quite a bit um, to figure out where you can go for players. Clearly, Florida is very important. I don't know that you can build your entire team off of players from the state of Florida. I don't know that that's feasible. So it's got to be some regional work. But then you have to be able to recruit nationally. It's Florida State. So there are people all over that would line up to play at Florida State. Now, you have to find the right capabilities in those players, but um, they're there. But if you don't have the right network, it's hard to get to them, and you're probably late to the dance.
0: Link, we've just got a couple minutes left as we wrap up. Uh, You and I, I mean, over the years, I've known you from covering the program when you played, and then we did some broadcast together, but we certainly haven't had a ton of interaction during your coaching career, but I knew, it's ironic the way this turned out, you and I broadcast the FSU Notre Dame Super Regional in 2002, and now here we are 20 years later, and you've been the head coach at both of those institutions, uh, but I could tell when I did that broadcast with you that, that, that the broadcasting did not scratch the itch enough for you. I mean, you were too much of a baseball guy. And, frankly, <laughs> broadcasting was boring to you. You Tom. wanted to you wanted to affect the game. Go ahead, Link. <laughs> well, Tom, number one, I was
5: sitting behind you, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And thank you for holding my hand through that. I didn't know what I was doing when people were talking in my ear when I was trying to talk. I didn't know which end was up, um, so thank you. Uh, and I did like it, but clearly, I, you know, I thought my future was, for, for the numerous reasons, which you probably figured out very quickly, I thought my future was more, you know, on the field, and um, that's where I landed. And, you know, those were, those were fun games, Tom. That, that was That was amazing, and it kind of goes both ways because the Notre Dame crew, remembered me doing the broadcast with you, and then obviously people here remember it too. And it the Notre Dame bit struck me because I did I, – I remember how those guys played and how they handled themselves, and it stood out. And it also stood out how good you were and how terrible I was at trying to figure out what to do up in that booth. But,
0: <laughs> again – hey. You're you're understating it. You were a pro's pro. It just was it was it was not enough to to motivate you. You're you're in the right. You made the right decision. Don't we'll, look at we'll the field. You, we'll, we'll we'll let you run, and we'll we'll talk more in in future months about your roster and all that. But uh, congratulations, to you and thanks for a few minutes of your time, Link. Guys, thank you. Anytime, I enjoy this. Anytime you need me. All right great to welcome link Jarrett back we'll take a break come back with more front row knolls right after this
6: getting the kids to practice on time remembering if it's your day to bring snacks making it to the game with a clean jersey why are simple things sometimes so complicated thankfully with auto owners insurance doesn't have to be one of them auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call so you can worry about more important things like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base that's simple human sense
4: Your local independent auto owner's agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com.
3: Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank changing is easy we'll show you how prime meridian bank tallahassee Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com member fdic
1: be sure to subscribe to the front row Knowles podcast and follow at front row Knowles on twitter now back to at underscore tom block and twitterless keith jones yes you heard us right in the prime meridian bank studios Back on Front Row thanks to Link Jarrett for
0: joining us. It was good to catch up with uh, a real good baseball mind. And Link, look forward to the Jarrett era at Florida State. And uh, our next guest has had quite the era at Florida State. I, I won't put a start date on it, but Jerry Kutz is uh, still going. We're still in the dash years here, Jerry, right? So Jerry Kutz, the founder of the Osceola. I think I referred to you previously as the Grand Bob, but how are you, sir? I'm good. Let's make that dash as long as we can make it. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. Uh, of course, you 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 started the Osceola back in the day. You know everything uh, from a history standpoint about Florida State, uh, and and you can you can make some significant educated guesses about what the future looks like. And and as a starting point, I guess that's that's a story you've been working on that'll be on the Osceola today or in coming days. But uh, what it might look like in terms of if FSU could get out of the Grand of rights, or if and when FSU does land in another conference, I'll let you take it from there.
7: Yeah, so that's what we did. I, I took a look at, I've, I've tried to read the grant rights and try to understand what, um, what's, what the obstacles are for any ACC school to be available to the SEC or Big Ten should they be an attraction to one of those conferences. And uh, it's, it's complicated. And the, the article is on the site right now. People can go look at it, The Osceola.com. Um, and I get into some pretty tedious, um, reading there, but I think it helped. I've had several people comment that they really understand it a lot better after reading it. Now, the second thing is I don't like history as much as I like the present and the future, but history does teach us a lot. And so the second thing we look, we're looking at in the article that'll go to press, um, tomorrow is what if the SEC or the Big Ten were interested in expansion further? Who would be the the most likely targets that they go after? And so I looked at, Tom, I looked at everything from performance with the Learfield Director's Cup. I looked at athletic budget size you know, who's spending the most money. I looked at revenue, who's bringing in the most revenue. I looked at TV ratings, to see who has the highest TV ratings and attendance. And a lot of those things go into valuation of a college team. And in every case, in every category I looked at, The top 25 is dominated by either SEC or Big 10 teams. Sometimes 21 of the top 25 will be one or the other of those conferences. And every time there's only three or four schools um, that are not in the SEC or Big 10 in that top 25. In every case you saw The non conference teams were Notre Dame, Florida State from the ACC, and Clemson from the ACC. They're all in, they fit whether you're talking Big Ten or you're talking SEC. And I think our fans might find this article kind of surprising because FSU is spending money like they're an SEC team, they're performing. Like they're an SEC team and, uh, um, or Big Ten team. And so, yeah, Florida State, I think, uh, fits what those kind of conferences are looking for.
2: Jerry, one of the things that Tom and I have been talking about is that when you talk about history, um, you know, you talk about does a, a school fit in the conference, you talk about geographical things. Uh, rivalries. The unfortunate part of today's world, however, is those aren't as meaningful as they once were. I mean, it's the footprint you hear over and over and over again. It's the footprint, and the SEC is in Florida already, but the Big Ten technically is not. Might that be another way of viewing this? Yes, I mean, and look at, at
7: just to your point, Keith is why did they go get USC and UCLA? You know it. It's there is some history there because of the Rose Bowl, but goodness gracious, that's all the way out yonder. Um, and so, yeah, I mean if if the Big Ten wants to pick up Florida households, and more importantly, I, you know, we used to talk about households. But in reality advertisers want eyeballs. And so, you know, Florida, it would be a great state, not for a couple of reasons. One, people in households in Florida watch college sports as opposed to New York. For a second reason, where do all people from the Midwest come to retire? So there's a lot of people that live in Florida who grew up watching Ohio State or Michigan or, you know, even Penn State, so uh, I, I I agree with you on that. That that it's become a national uh, moment. Uh, and I was talking to an uh, uh, an SCCAD today about Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC. You know that's exciting for the old SCC members who are tired of playing the same teams over and over again. So bringing Texas and Oklahoma in uh, is exciting for their fans, and it gives them another message for recruiting.
0: To your point, Jerry, I was thinking about the attendance. I mean, the 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 on-the-surface answer is if you're in the SEC, boy, you'd have Georgia fans and Auburn fans and Alabama fans. I mean, it would always be a packed house, right? But as I processed the Big Ten, I thought, well, if Michigan came here every four years in Ohio State, exactly what you just said would happen. Their alums from all over the state would come up, and it might be just about the same situation. And then there's a recruiting benefit for the Big Ten if they were actually in the state of Florida. So I don't know how it's going to shake out. I do agree with your your research, though, that FSU appears to be in really good position for whenever the music stops. I think that's the big takeaway right now.
7: Yeah, and for those listeners who are afraid that we're going to get left out, I think this article might, um, might, might convince them otherwise. I, I think if the SEC and Big Ten expand further and you might've read the article uh, written yesterday uh, from uh, down South that um, they, they spoke to unnamed sources, college presidents and ADs and the SEC and the SEC says they're gonna hold for now at 16 which I think is, you know, it could be true. Um, and they may be holding at 16 for a couple of reasons. we got football season coming up and they may want to just take a little break. Or it could be that the schools they most covet, which would include Florida state and Clemson are, you know, uh, are stuck in granted rights for the time being. Yeah. So, um, I you know, I'm not sure it, what, when we're going to see the next wave of expansion, uh, but FSU has to be ready for it whenever it is.
2: I think one of the things that we benefit from, uh, though I've, I've been on the record, I'm, you and I haven't talked about it, you know, all of the changes that A.D. Alford has made, I haven't necessarily been in agreement with, but I am in 100% agreement. He certainly understands the national landscape, and we're very, very fortunate to have him in the position that he's at to help, you know, President McCullough and the others that are involved navigate and and know what the options are. Would you agree with that? hundred percent.
7: And Keith, he's been at Alabama. He's been at Oklahoma. He's been at USC, um, and he's worked with uh, Jim Phillips. who has been a mentor for him. So really well positioned. Keith, going back to what uh, you and, and, and Tom just talked about is the attendance factor. In this oh, I, I take a look at that. And as you know, some of the listeners may know, you know, I worked at Seminole Booster for 19 years. And a lot of that time, I worked with our ticket office, and 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 I was in charge of ticket priority. And uh, you can hate me for that. But, but um <laughs> But, uh, you know, if Florida State, in the even years, we have Clemson in Florida in that same year, like this fall, we'll have those two teams. Season ticket sales will increase by about 5,000 in those years. Then the next year, your two best games are uh, Miami and NC State. Now we got Louisville in there, but they're not like, clemson florida those are marquee games both and uh so season ticket sales will taper off a little when we get notre dame in here and now you have three marquee games oh boy you can really sell tickets when you get oklahoma in here that one time back in 2011 i don't have to tell the listeners what that year felt like and and you I believe if we could have three marquee games in a year, we would sell out our season tickets, right? Whether it's the big 10 or it's the sec. If you had every year fans knew, boy, there's three great, great games going to happen every year, different names, but all marquee games. I'm not going to let go of my season tickets because I might not get them back. And when you look at that SCC schedule, and I mocked out a five year look if it went to 20 teams with FSU in it. And man, you know, every year you've got three, even if you're in the worst division, the least attractive division, you would always have three, and some years four. Now, why is that important? Other than it's fun, it'll generate another $12 million. In unsold season tickets, and the booster contribution that comes with it, so yeah, that's very quantifiable. We're about we're about fifteen thousand season tickets shy of sold out in a typical year. You go ahead and sell those tickets and get the booster gift. You're pumping twelve million more into that
0: athletic budget. Look forward to, to digesting the article, Jerry. Let's let's switch topics real quick. Another thing that you've got on the Osceola. This is uh, this this is much more imminent. We don't know when the conference change may happen, but uh, we do know that they're going to play a football season this year. And it would appear that Jordan Travis will be the starter. You're you're going position by position, breaking down the the key players for Florida State, and you're getting former players to do so. So uh, what you've got on there now is Charlie Ward analyzing Jordan Travis. Is that right? Yeah, he's
7: aver- he's he's analyzing. Uh, Jordan and also Tate, and uh, of course the the, the new freshman and Charlie's had a chance to go out there and watch and he pays attention and you know Charlie just does an unbelievable job of breaking it down and um, what he what you know what I tried to do I've, I've changed a, a, f- a formula with the Osceola I really value coaches opinions. I really value former player perspectives. So what I decided to do this year, and you know we've been doing it with Mark Salva and Pat Burnham and some others, but I, I've gone ahead and asked Charlie and Kez McCorby, you know, former players. Um, Mark Salva is going to handle my offensive line. Uh, I've got Lee, Leroy Smith going to help me with defensive backs and Kirk Carruthers with linebackers. And that was fun to take that segment with Kirk. But what we do is, you know, we sports writers see the game one way. And Keith, I think you better than anybody realize this. You former players see some things that others don't. And I think it brings value to my listeners and uh, my readers. The more I can incorporate the former players in that analysis. So so this week Charlie, not this week, uh I think it will come up be posted uh this week, followed every day by another position group. And uh so it'll be Charlie, kaz Mark Salva, uh Bob and I handle the running backs. And then uh this week, but then uh next week we get into the defensive front and uh, uh, and the linebackers and the defensive backs all with former players
2: i like it uh, you know I, I, even even those of us that are so many decades removed um you know we have a vested interest and uh i think one of the things as we wrap up here that, that is amazing to me as i've processed stuff Jerry, is you know florida state has maintained that appeal in terms of uh, viewership and interest even without the type of product that we're used to on the field. What would happen if we were to climb back into that upper echelon uh, of ones and wins and losses?
7: It, it it'll surprise people that read this article to find that Keith that our ratings are still there. Our um, our uh, attendance, even though it's down by our standards, it still compares very favorably to to many schools in the country, including SCC and Big Ten teams. So, yeah, Florida State's brand is, is strong. And I think, Tom, you see it with the commitments we're getting. Um, there's something about Florida State that is uh, sticky. Yeah,
0: no question, that's well said. I think it's just the, the not knowing. Uh, The waiting is the hardest part uh, if we want to go rock lyrics, right? Um, Jerry, appreciate your your insight. I love you guys. All right. Take care. Jerry Kutz from the Osceola. We'll
4: wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Hey, folks. Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. And we're celebrating the 4th of July all month long. So whether it's red, white, or blue, we've got the right one for you. With new vehicles arriving daily, we have a great selection to choose from. Like this 2022 High Country with a 6.2 liter V8, this 2022 Buick Enclave Avenir, fully loaded, or the new body style Chevy RST. And the best selection of premium vehicles in North Florida and South Georgia. Buy your new or used vehicle, the Hobson one.
6: Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean Jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with Auto Owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Your local independent auto owner's
4: agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Back on Front Row Knowles.
0: Good content here today between Link Jarrett and Jerry Kutz. Uh, Keith, we can't solve all the issues in the last four minutes, but I appreciate all the legwork that uh, Jerry has brought to the table there. Uh, he, he did he did it much more scientifically. I did it over a cocktail and kind of surf some websites. But I, I do think when you look at it, Florida State, this is why I feel comfortable or confident that Florida State will have a seat at the table. They, they really are. It's the schools that, that Jerry mentioned are at the top of the very short list before you go further down and get to some others
2: and as we mentioned earlier and i don't know how many of our listeners would agree with this i I don't think we're going to see this thing move in 2022 for some of the reasons jerry talked about the season's almost upon us i think everybody wants to digest a little bit but when the dominoes start they're going to move very very quickly and so hopefully Florida State uh, is, in fact, positioned appropriately uh, in uh, whatever direction. It, 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 there, there's at least the opportunity, and I think there obviously will be.
0: One thing we didn't talk about uh, with Jerry, but you can get the latest information on the Osceola website, is recruiting. And, and Florida State has has picked up three pretty good recruits here in the last couple of weeks, including one earlier this week. Six seven three hundred and an offensive tackle in Lucas Simmons, Keith, and Alex Atkins doing a really good job, and you and I aren't going to profess to be recruiting experts. 6'7", no, 300, and everybody raves about him. and it's the first tackle prospect in a while. We'll take it.
2: The other thing that has been interesting is we've seen some uh, comments on uh, social media about a particular recruit that basically said Florida State hadn't been in contact with him for a period of time. Well, guess what? That's what happens when you do your evaluation and you choose not to pursue a player. So I think folks need to understand, particularly with Norvell, they don't back off of a kid because they're lazy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they back a lot of off a
2: kid because it doesn't fit.
0: There, there's a lot of assumptions made. Keith, uh, maybe we should just burn it into every show. I resolve... To not pay attention until recruiting, until the player has actually signed and suited up, and I've watched him play on Saturdays, and he's pretty doggone good, right? But, isn't that what? The, isn't,
2: that's <laughs> what you and I—that's what you and I are reasonably committed to. Uh, but the rest <laughs> of the world doesn't necessarily think the way we do.
0: <laughs> oh, That's just the reality of it. Having it's called managing expectations, and that's how we manage our own, right? Exactly. So, Anyway, uh, we're, we're about out of time. Appreciate Link Jarrett joining us. Uh, look forward to him and and his air. Appreciate Jerry. Uh, check out that article. And uh, ACC kickoff next week. Um, we'll we'll continue to follow this uh, as the uh, conference realignment talk turns to see what move is next. But, uh, you know, silly season goes away in two weeks when FSU puts puts the pads on or at least the cleats on and gets on the field. All this conjecture and, and hypothesis and everything we do over the spring and into the summer, it does disappear when we can actually talk X's and O's, Keith.
2: And I know obviously Florida State opens with Duquesne and we don't need to uh, overlook them. But how about the news that came out last week, uh, tail end of last week, that Florida State has sold 25,000 tickets or maybe a little more to the 30, LSU ball game?
0: 30. Don't sell an all nation short. third Thank All 30,000.
2: Thank you. 30,000. To me, that's what is pointing towards the uptick in the program
0: as well. No question. All right, we are out of time, folks. We do this each and every Wednesday at uh, noon right here. Catch the uh, Front Run podcast. Until next week, he's Keith, I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.